Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. I am so pleased that you have joined us today because we have a very special guest today who is a friend of mine and someone I have crossed over lives multiple times and always been blessed by her friendship and by her knowledge, her wisdom, and her sense of humor. And we're going to be talking today to Hilda Gore, and I'll give you more information on her in a moment. And we're going to be talking about openness to change, lifelong learning. And I learned so much from my guests and she is, you know, no exception to that rule. We're going to learn a great deal today. But we have learned from our experiences, Hilda and I, that perspective changes as we get older. Our outlook changes. Our bodies change. We become accustomed to new things. And one of the big things we do on Wise Health for Women is to help women flourish after 40. And I think we become more self-aware, we find our niche, and we really explore all the passions that we have. And I am so pleased to welcome today Hilda Gore, who has is a podcast host and producer of Wise Traditions. She's the DC chapter leader of the Weston A. Price Foundation known as Holistic Hilda uh, online, and a, a dear friend of mine. Hilda, welcome to Wise Health Women Radio. Linda, this is so fun. I'm so happy to be with you today. It, it is very fun. We go way back, and we've sung together. We've been around uh, fitness together. And I wonder if you could give a little bit of background about your journey from... Being younger and reacting one way to new experiences and how that changed as you got older, wiser, and with more experience under your belt. Well, that's a great question. I think my journey actually began, my health journey began Mm -hmm. before I was born, actually. My mother got exposed to the German measles and the doctors knew I would be born with some serious birth defect. They thought I might be born blind or deaf or dumb. And thankfully, I was born with a birth defect, but it was simply a hole between the lower two ventricles of my heart. So I had kind of a delicate childhood as they monitored me over the years. I remember on the playground being one of those kids that was the last one picked for kickball and whatnot because I I felt like I couldn't be super active because of this heart issue. Mm -hmm. And then when I was nine years old, I had open heart surgery. And after that, the doctor said, okay, you can do anything you want, want. And so a whole world of possibilities opened up for me. And I think when I was younger, I was trying to do it all at once. <laughs> now I've learned to uh, take it a little slower, but I have to admit that good health and good eating have informed my energy for life, I guess you would say. So some things haven't changed. <laughs> some have. I am learning to pace myself, but I really do think it all started with that kind of sensitive, delicate childhood, which made me really appreciate more where I am today. Beautifully put, because I think that 
whenever there is something that's challenging in life or something that changes, I know that you do live life to the fullest. There's a joie de vivre about you that you don't miss any opportunity. And I think that that comes through in all that you do. Talk a little bit about your life as a an exercise professional and how you treated nutrition and eating and you have four beautiful children. Talk about those years and then we'll move, you know, through the decades. Um, well, that's great, Linda. I remember being one of those people who was just all about calories in, calories out. Like I thought if I overate on any given day, whatever that definition was in my own mind, you know, two extra pieces of dessert or what have you, I would literally jump rope at the end of the night to kind of just burn off those calories. And I <laughs> didn't give anything, you know, any nutrition advice a second thought. I just thought, you know, it's all about moderation. You know, you eat too much, you work it off and it's all good. But my dear friend became sick. And this was later in my 20s. So this is kind of the next stage as I was mm-hmm. starting to have my kids and everything. Again, I was just feeding them moderately, healthily as best I could. But when my dear friend came down with chronic fatigue, literally she came down. Like she had to just lay in bed. She didn't know how mm. to That's heal a tough herself. One. I know. Oh my gosh, the doctors didn't know what to do either. And so she started experimenting with diet to find some kind of help. And she experimented with macrobiotic, you know, going vegetarian, plant-based. I mean, she tried a lot of different things. And the only thing that really started to give her any modicum of help and hope was a diet of whole real foods. Mm -hmm. So getting off kind of the processed food train. And when she started doing that and seeing improvement, I thought, gosh, you know, maybe it does matter what I put into my body. So right around, I would say my late 20s, early 30s, I started to have a a little shift. And I think that that was also a a time when people were only beginning to be aware that processed foods, that for the days of don't eat butter, eat margarine, Um, you know, various things were quote, good for you and various things were bad for you. And then three or four years later, they would change and tell you Mm -hmm. something else. So we were getting a lot of confusing information in those days. But what did your friend find by changing diet? And what did you find by changing and eating more cleanly, I'll put it? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I didn't have a health crisis. So I didn't notice anything immediately. Mm -hmm. But my friend did start to regain some strength and health. Now, she actually found out that she had heavy metal toxicity. So no matter how much good food she put into her system, her detox pathways weren't working properly. And so she's still got a long road ahead. But I will tell you one thing I did notice right away is that I could last through my workout. I am, as you said, an exercise professional, but I would have on a typical morning, for example, a bowl of cereal with some milk and berries in it. And then I would start to work out around 930 in the morning and midway through the workout of an hour and 15 minute workout, I would feel my blood sugar drop suddenly. And Mm -hmm. I would get suddenly ravenous and think, oh my gosh, I can't go on. So I would always have a power bar nearby. I kid you not. I would like take a couple bites off of it and then I would feel fine and continue going on. And I thought, well, I guess I'm just one of those people wired that way. Come to find out years later, that is a symptom of hypoglycemia Mm -hmm. when you have blood sugar issues and 
when I changed my diet to real food, I didn't just have cereal with a sprinkling of berries and a smidge of protein from the milk. I switched to eggs and bacon or full fat yogurt with berries and some nuts. And now I can sustain my blood sugar. I don't feel that drop at all. I can last till two or three in the afternoon. Now I still like to eat lunch, but I'm not desperate for a snack, nor do I feel shaky, which I used to get, you know. That shakiness, you know, you start to put it down to other things. Okay, I'm just tired. I didn't get a great night's sleep. Um, I, I'm just tired. I didn't hydrate enough. But you're right. And being attuned to certain aspects of your own body make a big difference. And when you are an exercise professional, you're burning calories at a furious rate. And you, you aren't given the leeway that someone who's sitting at a desk job has. <laughs> That's true, but you're so right. We... We just think, oh, I'm tired. I better grab a cup of coffee. Everyone gets tired in the afternoon. And that may be true, but I've really realized recently, because I do interviews just like you do, Mm -hmm. that this blood sugar roller coaster that we're on can be avoided. In other words, if you do grab in the morning like a muffin and a coffee as you go out the door, and then, of course, you're going to experience this blood sugar drop because you had no fat to kind of slow down the absorption of the glucose in your body. So what I would really recommend your listeners, here's one practical tip, and I hope to give a bunch throughout this talk, but Mm -hmm. always make sure you have some kind of fat with your meal to slow down the absorption of the glucose. You might think, oh, fruit or vegetables, that's a healthy breakfast too. Well, if you're going to make yourself a smoothie of fruit and vegetables, that's excellent. Just add some coconut oil or have some eggs with butter with it or something so that you can let your body handle it better. Very valuable because honestly, we are a society on the run and there are a lot of people who never sit down to a meal. They do grab things, but I think that planning ahead for what your um, what your what your needs are as you go through the day. Um, I, I'm one of those who likes to cook on Sundays so that I can carry it through the week uh, so I don't have to think about lunches and things. I can just take them with me. But I, I know a lot of people don't find that easy. But let's talk a little bit about the fact that we are on the go all the time. And what does that do to our habits? Oh, my gosh. You're, you're so right. Like, we need to plan ahead. I commend you for what you're doing because... It is hard when you're exhausted Mm -hmm. on a Tuesday night, let's say you come home from work, you just want to put your feet up and order out, you know, but the Mm -hmm. problem is you can't really control the quality of the ingredients at all when you eat fast food. It is really just fast. I tell people it's fast if you want to get sick. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Right? The best thing to do is to go slow, you know, make something ahead of time. I'm not as organized as you, so I end up cooking I would say I usually cook a good Monday night dinner, and Mm -hmm. then I use that for leftovers on Tuesday and Wednesday. I cook about two or three times a week, but it's Mm -hmm. still better than just kind of scavenging on some nights when I'm exhausted. So, yeah, the best thing really to do is plan ahead, and that's hard for some of us. We're not all as good as you are. (laughs) I'm not not sure it's good. I think it's just practical because I I feel like I do it once, and then I can carry it for the rest of the week. I'm a huge fan of leftovers, Mm -hmm. Um, although my children – really thought that was a, a really heinous thing to do to them. Two nights in a row on the same thing. So I would I would switch it around. But I, I do find that we are on the go all the time. And the other thing that I would love to talk to, we're coming up on a break, but I would love to talk about after the break is how we are influenced by what we see. 
and what we hear and how much of it is not really true. And you have learned a lot through your studies with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and the Weston Price Foundation. I'd love to talk more about that when we come back from the break. Sound good? Sounds perfect. Excellent. So we're going to go on a short break. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. You can find all of our shows on iTunes and also at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. We're talking to Hilda Gore today about real food can make a difference as well as lifelong learning and openness to change. We'll be back after some short breaks and don't go away. You're going to want to hear the rest of this. We'll be right back. Wise of Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. There is so much to say about losing weight, but there's even more to say about maintaining that weight loss. Many people tell me they have lost the same 15 pounds over and over again. The goal is to not only lose the excess weight, but it's also keeping it off. The National Weight Control Registry found four types of behavior common with their successful participants. One, eating a low-fat, high-carb diet. Two, eating breakfast almost every day. Three, frequent self-monitoring of weight. And four, participation in a high level of physical activity. By embracing these four actions in your life, you too can be successful at maintaining your weight loss. Living a healthy life full of daily exercise will help you keep the excess weight off. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back. We are talking with Hilda Gore. And Hilda, before the break, we were talking about changes and openness to change and some of the things that you've learned along the way as you educated yourself. And we were talking on the break, you've got another tip to pass on. Well, it actually came from a farmer, Linda, and he surprised me so much. I was interviewing him. And at the end of my show, I always say to people, what is one thing you would recommend that the listener do to improve your health. And he really kind of blindsided me with his response, which was educate yourself. And I was like, what? Like, what's this farmer talking about? You know, he's working with 
cows out in the field. And he was just saying, we need to be our own advocates. And this is actually what I like about you and your audiences. You know, we've been around the block a couple of times and we're smart enough to know we can't always let ourselves be influenced by what we see and hear. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see Jennifer Aniston on a big billboard and she's got her little bottle of Aveeno cream, you know, whatnot. But we should know that just because she looks beautiful, we also should know that those things are airbrushed, you know? A little and, bit. <laughs> yeah. And there's probably all sorts of chemicals and things in that cream that aren't good for you. You know, our skin is our biggest organ. Right. And whatever you put on your skin goes immediately into the bloodstream, you know, after passing through a few layers of the layers, derma. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you don't want to put anything on your skin that you wouldn't ingest by eating. So we really need to pay attention. I used to think, for example, uh, country crock was awesome because you're right. I was raised in that era when they said, stay away from butter, all that cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Well, now I found out that country crock is a crock. <laughs> it has <laughs> all these ingredients that I can't even pronounce. And that is a clue. That's that, a big clue. I think I would give that tip also to your audience and they may know it already, but go ahead and read labels. You know, we went to school for a reason, check and see what's in there. And if it sounds like a concoction of chemicals, the less complicated the ingredients are, the more likely it is that it's going to be more like a real food that is good for you. But you know, when my farmer friend said, educate yourself, he also just meant like, do your investigative work because there's a lot of conflicting information out there. Even right. today, you will hear one person saying plant-based is a way to go. And you'll hear other people, people saying natural animal fats are really important to your health and happiness. So you really have to dig deep and not just buy into kind of hysteria. Like, have you heard of the movie called What the Health? No, I know about the book called Eat Dirt, but no, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. One of the things that, that I usually have heard, and I, and I really love it, um, is that the closer you eat to the way God made the food, the, the better it is for your body. You know, we are really bad in America about taking something healthy uh, I'll give you an example of, say, eggs. And then we smear it in hollandaise sauce with all this fatty, creamy stuff. Now, a little bit of that is fine. But the, the more it's close to nature and the way it was originally made, the better it usually is for us. I mean, think back. They, they may have died from mastodons chasing them, but they probably didn't die from, you know, plaque in their heart. Uh -huh. Good point. That is such a good point. And that reminds me, I got to represent the Weston A. Price Foundation when I went to Kenya in 2015 mm -hmm. and okay. in 2016. I met this man, Linda. He was so old, he didn't know how old he was. <laughs> oh, that's neat. I know. He was like over 100 years old, I promise you. And um, we were sitting there of course, I had an interpreter. But I was asking him questions like, what did you eat when you were a child? And he was like, we drank milk from the cow. We ate the cow. You know, we might eat wild <laughs> fruit and honey, but it was right. nothing complicated. It was all very simple. And the reason I actually went to this village is because a Maasai warrior called the foundation and said, send someone over. We're all getting sick. He said, I have diabetes. My wife has asthma. He said, I think it's all the processed stuff that we're starting to get from Western the shop. Western foods. Yes. Right. The modern quote unquote 
are mm-hmm. killing us, you know, and they're causing chronic disease, not just in the West, but all over the world because people emulate us. So, so I'm, true. I know. I'm so sorry. And so that's one reason I'm like kind of going around the world a little bit with my group, this Wise Traditions group, because I feel like we need to say stop before everyone else starts falling off the cliff as well. As we head toward the holidays, amid the Russian bustle, we know we want to look our best, whether at the office or at a formal party. What goes under your clothes, a great bra, is a holiday gift to yourself. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of Third Love. Third Love is a fabulous online bra company that gives you all the tools you need to find the right bra for you. Their Fit Finder quiz helps you find your correct size in cup sizes A through G using thousands of real women's measurements to create super comfortable bras that make you look and feel great. Holiday clothes may require a specific bra, and with over 15 styles to choose from, including strapless and plunge, lacy or basic smooth t-shirt bra, you're sure to find styles that suit and fit you. My favorite is the lacy racerback bra, so versatile and very pretty. A well-fitting, comfortable bra with cups that don't gap or overflow and a band that doesn't bind, plus their exclusive hap cup sizes, is a simple joy. Why brave the department store crowds when you can find your perfect bra online? Helped by Third Love's Fit Specialist and Fit Finder Quiz. Treat yourself to a new favorite bra with this special offer for our listeners. Go to thirdlove.com forward slash wise health to upgrade your holiday style with a perfect-fitting Third Love bra and get 15% off your purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash wisehealth for 15% off your first Third Love bra. thirdlove.com slash wisehealth. You deserve this. Dive in, you know. <laughs> Depends on um, how well you dive. Exactly. I'm not good at all. Um, I call it jiving if you dump and dive. Oh, I love that. I can jive. I can jive. <laughs> but... What I did with my diet, and this is another tip I would have for your listeners, is I literally picked one thing at a time. So one year, I feel a little bit like the Chinese with the year of the dragon. One year for me was the year of butter. Okay. (laughs) And another year, so I moved away from artificial margarines and spreads to real butter. Another year was the year of eliminating the processed chips, you know, which are so easy to snack on and often have additional partially hydrogenated oils that aren't good for you. mean like a Dorito dinner? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, actually, I think there was a book written that's called The Dorito Effect. You know, they purposely concoct the flavoring so that you you get tricked. It's addictive. And you get tricked into thinking, your mouth thinks and your body thinks, oh, my gosh, this is cheese. This is meat. This is natural stuff. And then you keep craving more because the body's like, wait, it doesn't seem like it is. And the body's trying to figure it out. So you just indulge, you overindulge. But you're right. Just if people could, going back to my main point, which is if you could just pick one thing to change, that would be a step in the right direction. Don't overwhelm yourself with a million, a million choices and options or trying everything at once. Like, okay, I'm going to only eat this much and I won't eat after 6 p.m. Like, that's just too many rules and regulations. And you're setting yourself up to fail. Fail. Right. You know, I think there are also fads that come along. I think there are people who don't feel well, and then they're told a couple of things. Um, There's several things that I think are very prevalent right now. One, um, you you have a gluten sensitivity. Uh, Two, you are, um, you're sensitive to 
to, I, I don't know, let's not even go into all of them because there are so many that leaky gut, that's what I was looking for. So leaky gut, you start to hear these things come on and then probiotics and then prebiotics. And I think people look for a magic cure. And when you're talking about taking one change at a time, that's actually really smart because then you can tune into how does your body feel when you make that change? And was that an easy change? And a success at a change makes it easier to make the next change. That's so true. I just watched a video of some important naval officer yesterday and in it he said, make your bed. This is so funny. Oh, I saw that. Did you see that? I did. He was saying, if you do that small successful thing, even if you had a horrible day, you'll come home at night and you'll see your bed made, you know, and you'll be like, okay, it's all going to be all right. And so in the same way, you're right. One small change can take you to a whole world of change down the line, but start small. It doesn't have to be big. And to your point about sensitivities, I think it's good for people to be, again, educating themselves, but also to be their own detectives. That they can tell, gosh, when I have dairy, it doesn't sit right with me. Right. And and that's okay. That is an indicator of something. And I do believe, actually, that the gut can be healed, but I think it's a slow process. And at first, they might have to eliminate their dairy or, let's say, gluten. But down the line, my hope would be that that wouldn't be something that they're running away from all their lives. It would hopefully be something where they can find a way to heal their gut so that they can come back to it. Because certainly dairy and gluten are to be enjoyed, as is almost every food on God's green earth. Well, and most people can tolerate them, but I think that it's an easy fix. I mean, we don't want to hear it will take a slow process of elimination, or we don't want to hear that there isn't a pill you can take or a vitamin or a supplement that can make you feel better. And we are used to the instant fix, and that doesn't generally happen. Let's go back to Kenya and your Maasai warrior. Um, What else did he have to talk about that made you realize that simplifying food and life in general might have be a way of life we should emulate? That's a great question. I saw in his village that they were still holding on on to some of their wise traditions. Mm -hmm. They were still gardening and connecting as a community. They don't, they make decisions as a group, not as individuals. So Mm -hmm. when he came across our wise tradition materials, that's why he said, please come. I went. And then as a group, they were like, okay, we're going back to our traditional ways. It was kind of a beautiful thing to observe. Um, But again, they weren't alone. And I guess I would say that's another tip that we can enjoy. All your listeners and all the people who are women who are like, I want to take charge of my health can take a page out of that book and realize, you know, I can't do this alone. And let me find some people that I can connect Mm -hmm. with so we can all help each other on this journey together. Well, the other thing is that we no longer live in multi-generational households. Mm -hmm. So we don't have the benefit of some of the wisdom that was normally passed down through the kitchen, through um, just life in general and choices as we made. And we miss out on that. And though we are more connected than ever, online and elsewhere, social media, et cetera, we are less connected than ever. How do you think that factors in? Well, I think it's critical. And that's why I think your voice and my voice and the voice of everyone over 40, we're finding our voice, which is fantastic. People need to hear it. They need to hear it. They don't just have to learn from, you know, meetup groups and their peers. Like we can all overcome that, I guess, is what I'm saying, by making sure we're intentional about those connections across generational lines. I think you're right. That's pivotal. I'm certain that that's part of the 
good health that some of the Maasai are still enjoying and in other cultures as well, that they are connected cross-generationally. And we can find ways to make that happen again here. I agree. And, and I feel very strongly about that because I think that the online communities have served a good purpose for connecting people with similar conditions or passions, uh, good and bad things can bring us together. But there's still something about a face-to-face, uh, a hug, Um, something social. And they've proven that being social and having friends keeps you healthier and does help with your wellness perspective. So we're going into a break. I'm so sorry. We keep having to break. We should keep talking. After we come back, let's talk about how and why you launched your podcast and what you have learned from your guests, not just with nutrition, but also with traditions and and habits and what we can do to make our lives richer, fuller, and just more fulfilling. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're going on a short break and we will be right back with Hilda Gore. Thanks so much. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages. Notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all cringle crangled and jitterty jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Thinking of food as an enemy is a common misconception. Food is not the enemy. The adversary is portion sizes and food choices. Even if you're trying to lose weight, you really can eat anything you desire. It is just how much of it that you eat that's the problem. If you keep 80% of your diet good, nutritious, low-calorie food and save 20% for the foods you crave, you will be on a sensible eating program. Food is to be enjoyed and to bring pleasure to our lives. We get in trouble, though, when we make bad food choices too often. And the next thing we know, our diet is really messed up and we're consuming too many foods that are high in calories and low in nutrition. You need to plan and make an effort to buy good, wholesome food. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Hilda. And on the break, we were talking about how we we started our podcast for different reasons. And I think one of them is that we we felt compelled that 
we, we wanted to talk to people. We wanted to reach people. Uh, again, back to reaching connection, engagement with others, because it's so valuable to our quality of life. So, Hilda, how did you launch your podcast? What was your premise? What was your hope? And is it achieving what you had wanted it to do? Oh, my gosh. This is an amazing story. It actually started a little bit with that old man I was talking about, okay. because I had not yet launched a podcast when I met him and I knew I wanted to learn from him, actually, Linda. So I had my iPhone and I pushed the voice memo app, you know, on there. And I just started recording my interview with him as someone else was translating because I thought this is so interesting. I really want to learn. And then there was a young woman I had met who said, you know, I was raised in a village and now I live in Nairobi. She's a professional in Nairobi. And she's like, I can really see the difference between the two lifestyles. The one where it was kind of slow food, like we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. gardening, working outside, everyone was healthy, to her fast-paced life in Nairobi where they would go to this chicken inn or kind of a pizza hut place and they were all thinking it was really posh to eat the modern way. And she's like, I can take tell the toll it's taking on my life. And so as I started to record their stories and my engagement with them made me realize, oh my gosh, I really want to keep this up. So when I came back, I proposed to the foundation that they launch a show and they said, okay, to be honest with you, and this is what I can tell your audience because they can relate to this. I hadn't even listened to a podcast before. I <laughs> don't think I had a microphone. I just had the seed of an idea. But I was at this stage where I was like, you said confident in a new place. And I thought, if my friend in the band, I had this 15-year-old friend, said he was starting a podcast. He's a violinist. I'm like, you're starting a podcast? I thought if he can do it, I can certainly do it. So it gave me the confidence to go for it. And of course, I like talking. I know you do too. So that you was do. A shocking. <laughs> but um, I really also just realized there is a message bigger than me that mm -hmm. I wanted to get out because I do see the health crisis we're in in the U.S. and really around the world. And I thought, gosh, I can write a couple of blog posts, but only, you know, my best friends and my mom are going to read that. You know, I need to really do something that's going to have a greater impact. And indeed it has. Linda, this is the coolest thing. I'm coming up on the 100th episode of Wise Traditions. I'm coming up close to the million listens milestone also you know, downloads like it's just been tremendously successful wonderful and congratulations thank you but i really know it's not me so much as it is the valuable content kind of the wise traditions that people are bringing on the show the health professionals you know we talk about everything from physical therapy to cardiac stuff to nutrition and diet i mean it's really it, just like your show it covers a range of topics and i think it's bringing something added to the community at large. I mean, like I said, much like yours, which is really fun. Well, you're sweet. I, I think that people are seeking information. I think they're tired of being told things. So they're being voluntold to eat one way, voluntold <laughs> to exercise one way. And I think they're starting to say, time out. Some of this makes me feel good. Some of it does not. And as you said, they're doing their own research and seeking their own information. The podcast industry is just growing exponentially because it's portable, it's easy, and it is focused on various um, different topics of interest to people. And so I think that people are seeking a better, healthier way. We are not all buying into, well, we, we have to buy into a certain degree to the fast pace of today. 
but we can make our own personal choices on exercise, nutrition, socialization, how much we want to say cyber connected, um, mind, body, spirit, and all are important in terms of growing. Now, I have to ask, what have you learned from your guests? What are a couple of high points that you feel you didn't know or you hadn't really thought about before? Um, What were some of the revelations? That is a great question. I've learned so much. Every time, like I said, I come to the end of the episode, I ask them for one thing. Mm -hmm. And I have a list of like a million things (laughs) um, that we can do to improve our health. But one thing that really surprised me was when I was talking to a cardiologist and we were talking about heart disease and all this. And I said, what is one thing we can do to improve our health? And he said, take a walk on a beach with a loved one. Right. And I love that so much because that's part of the wisdom that comes of being over 40. We know, mm-hmm. yes, we can break our back working, but we know the value of pacing ourselves, as we said earlier, and right. really taking a break because we know it's restorative to our spirits. And who knew that that would help us avoid heart disease and cardiac arrest, you know, just walking on the beach with a loved one. And this is a cool thing. And for those who are science minded of your listeners, when you put your feet or your body into contact with the earth. Mm -hmm. Literally, take your shoes off and put your feet on the ground. It's called grounding or earthing. And the earth gives you like free antioxidants. It is helping you fight cancer. You don't need to eat all the berries or drink the pomegranate juice. You can literally put your feet on the ground every day for let's say 15, 20 minutes and you're absorbing the earth's energy, which helps you be well. So isn't that a cool thing? It's very cool and it harkens back. It harkens back to older traditions, your wise traditions, as you put it, and wise health, as I would put it. I, I tend to think that, again, simplifying life and going back to some of the good things that were uh, historically done um, just out of necessity. You know, people mm-hmm. were farming and people didn't have always wear shoes, mm-hmm. uh, those kinds of things. But the, the one thing I want to expand upon from what you just said is, I think people don't realize how isolation can truly hurt them. So we are, again, very connected in this world today, but we can also be terribly isolated and yet giving off to the world that we're not. And so, as you said, walk on the beach with a loved one. A, gives you the grounding, but it's with someone. So sharing your your day, your perspective, your week even, with people really does help to keep your mind on a um, your behavioral health in a good place and isolation can spiral pretty quickly for people these days we are again connected and yet disconnected talk about that social aspect because your Maasai warrior was telling you exactly that it's a village that's right that's right I've heard that there are studies that demonstrate that the more time we spend on our devices like our computers Mm -hmm. and our phones Mm -hmm. the more depressed we become True. And you wouldn't think that would be the case because you would think, okay, I've got the virtual community. But like you said, nothing beats the face-to-face. On Facebook, even though it's called Facebook, it's not face-to-face, and you're only showing the highlight reel. In real life is when someone can literally give you a hug and understand the trouble you're going through and empathize with you. So it's really a completely different thing. The value of community cannot be overstated. And you and I know this because we've Mm -hmm. been in a faith community before. And some people think, oh, well, I can just be me and God and, you know, I'm fine. 
but there is value in that joining together, staying, stating what you believe, singing together. There's just mm-hmm. something almost that you can't measure uh, that improves your perspective, your optimism, and improves your hope and your well-being. Absolutely. It does need to be mind, body, spirit, soul, all of it. And we are, unfortunately, with the online community, there's so much of the compare and despair, Mm -hmm. as well as um, so-and-so is doing great things, why am I not? And the the loneliness that some people feel when they, they don't feel like they're participating that way. So I think that one of the things that people are becoming more aware of and, and doing something about is, is weaning themselves from their devices a little bit. If you find yourself, what is it? Every six minutes, people check their phones is the stat. Um. And if you find yourself doing that, you know, go hide your phone under a pillow or something. Um, take cyber-free Sundays. I, I know I've tried a number of things, and it, it does work, and you find that you're not uh, as tense. You're not as tuned in. You really didn't miss anything. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've um, started reading The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. He's a fellow right. podcaster. And he says, don't begin your day by answering emails. And I just think that's great. I think some of us have our phones in our bedrooms. And the first thing people do is grab it and start responding to emails or texts or what have you know, like set that aside, have your cup of coffee or walk. When I walk my dog, for example, I don't take my device if I can help it because I need to just be for a little bit. And that is very healing. Well, it's grounding. It's grounding you for the day. And I think that solitude can be a wonderful thing. You can be alone um, thinking and and setting your day in place, um, whether through a devotional, through yoga practices, through meditation, whatever it might be. The world is a huge place with miracles. We had one this week with the eclipse. I mean, Mm -hmm. to me, a total miracle. And, you know, just manifestation of love. And I love that. So let's talk about change. We have just a few minutes for our final break. What are some of the pitfalls about making changes in your life? What can you suggest as things to possibly avoid or expectations not to set? So you're setting yourself up for success. Well, I think we as women tend to equate the number on the scale with, you know, being okay. Mm -hmm. So I heard a woman say one time that scales are for fish. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I really like it too, because I, I know there's so much more to us. And of course we don't judge other people as harshly as we judge ourselves. Right. We're very good at that. Mm -hmm. So I would say, go for strong, strong is the new skinny, you know, go for ways to shore up your health, consider good health, your goal or, or, um, improve strength over a number on the scale, weight loss, because weight loss, actually, it's okay for us to be a little bit heavier as we get older. You don't want to be so frail that, you know, a wind, a strong wind can knock you over. So don't worry about the number on the scale. I would say if you make incremental changes to improve your health, like walking on a beach with a loved one or, or eating less processed foods, the benefit will be in how you feel and the good health you're going to get to enjoy. 
And I think that's the real reward. You'll start to feel better. The successes add up. They're incremental changes toward a larger lifestyle change. And I, I think people are, are happier when they get that way. And then they start evangelizing to their friends. And it's a lovely thing. Or if you are blessed enough to have uh, a buddy who's going along with those changes with you, you've got a peer experiencing the same thing that you are at the same time. So we'll talk a little bit more about pitfalls for changing and how to set yourself up for success after the break. And then we'll talk realistically about find to change you, but how do you change your family members to go along with you so that you have everybody on the same page and making life simpler as opposed to more complex. Going on a short break, we'll be right back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's Do you think employers put a lot of time into reading your resume? According to a new survey from CareerBuilder, most employers spend only about two minutes reviewing resumes. Almost 60% of employers said that the most common resume gaffes were exaggerated job responsibilities, fictional dates of employment, and unreal job titles. Some of the employers surveyed favorite miscabobbles on resumes include one applicant who claimed to be the former CEO of the company he was applying for. Another applicant claimed to be fluent in two languages, one of which was Pig Latin. And my personal favorite was a creative job seeker who claimed on his resume that he worked at a jail when he actually was serving time there. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Everyone knows you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. But who wants to catch a fly? Flies are squick and repulsive. Flies have two wings, while all other insects have four. And they beat their wings 200 times per second. That's faster than a hummingbird. Flies jump up and backwards when taking off with an average speed of 5 miles per hour. What's the word for that annoying buzzing sound flies make? Fretinancy. Pestologists tell us that flies' favorite color is red. Flies have kinesophobia. That's the fear of movement. So simply hang a plastic bag filled with water to keep the flies away. My only question would be, would a fly without wings be called a walk? It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. was uh, an early 20s professional. She called home once and she just said, do you know how healthy we eat? And it was this very deep accusing voice. And I said, um, well, yes. She said, well, my, my colleagues are making fun of me because I won't eat the airport food, which I just kind of giggled at because I was very fortunate to be raised in a family that ate very cleanly, you know, years and years ago. I don't want to tell you how many years, but lots of years. And I raised her that way. And she's raising 
children that way. Mm -hmm. And so if you're fortunate enough to have good habits in your family tradition, that's great. But there's nothing wrong with starting today to change those habits. So you began your transformation. As you said, you could eat anything you wanted because you were working out so heavily that it didn't make a difference. But when you made the change, how did you make the change so that your family accepted it as well? How did you make it a team sport? Well, I know any moms that are listening right now know that more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can tell them a million times, do this, do that. But when they see you doing it, that's bound to have a stronger influence. So I would say don't be disheartened if you're just making the change initially and they're resistant. That's especially what teenagers do best, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's the first thing is don't worry about them. You're going to make choices that will subtly be affecting them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I try to offer the best at home. I think eating naturally isn't a sacrifice, it's a joy. And my kids started to see that because Linda, when my kids were little, I would just toss whatever before them, you know, I literally fish sticks, little carrot pieces that we would dip in ranch dressing. I mean, okay, that's okay. But now I know the joy of serving them something that's going to really nourish and Mm -hmm. sustain them longer. And I didn't have to persuade them to eat it because it tasted so good because it was real food. So for example, I remember after soccer practice, my kids would come home and they'd bring their friends with them. And one girl said, so this is healthy food? I said, yeah, it is. She goes, well, when I go to other people's house, healthy doesn't taste this good. (laughs) But of course, my definition of healthy includes the natural fats that are going to be in foods. I'm not trying to skimp on that. So I would have like BLTs with smoothies made with raw milk. Yes, raw milk, actually. Mm -hmm. And we would all love it so much. And so there wasn't a lot of protest in my house, I guess I would say, from my point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if there is in yours, start with some of their favorites. For example, you can still serve hamburger and french fries at home. Just get the meat that doesn't have antibiotics or hormones in it. Try to get it from a a local source if you can, a reliable source. And then with the fries, you know, fry them up in even, you know, coconut oil or lard or the fats, the natural fats that are better for you than some of these canola and partially hydrogenated oils. Again, you can hear my wise traditions bias coming out, but I really do think that those things, these things will satisfy your family and please them. And they'll hardly notice except of how good it is. They're not going to protest when the meal is amazing. I started making mac and cheese for real. Like we used to just get the craft macaroni and cheese. Then you might. That that lovely color orange. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You might upgrade to like Annie's natural that you can get a whole foods or Trader Joe's. That's fine. You know what? Don't, as, as Henry Nowen says, don't shit on yourself. Like don't get mad. Like, oh my gosh, why am I buying this again? You're making a step in the right direction. It probably has less artificial dyes and whatnot. And then later you could actually buy pasta, pour in milk and shredded cheese. And it becomes this amazing comfort food that is again, one small step in the right direction of real food. So I think your family might surprisingly follow you where you go. And if that doesn't help, then I do have friends. Like I have a friend, Kelly, the kitchen cop, who is a blogger. And that sounds like a really (laughs) strict, funny name. But um, she is a blogger that gives all these ideas for how to get your family on board. Um, And uh, then there are other people, Jenny, who has the Nourished Kitchen. And they have recipes if you're into that sort of thing, but also ways to help your family kind of come alongside you and be on your team. But honestly, for my family, it didn't take a lot of persuading. Now, I can say this. My son was less inclined to follow the direction I was leading 
than my daughters were. were. Um, he even now he'll get fast food here and there, but I still think my influence has sunk in because he chooses to eat at home more often than not, which is a surprising choice for a young guy, you know. But I think he realizes right. this is where the good stuff is, and out there it's just you know imitation. It's nothing like the true deal. Well, it's also true that as you start to eat healthy food, you don't have a taste or a craving for the unhealthy food. I mean, it's very interesting how your body adapts and and doesn't crave the sugar, the salt, the excessive um, stuff. I don't even want to call it. I all call it stuff that's added um, and is processed. And you can make things very conveniently as well. That's the funny part. I had a lovely friend once who said, why wouldn't I cook as opposed to zap it in the microwave? Because how else do you put the love in it? Ah, I love it. Vitamin L. You know, yeah. I was, I was going to bring that up earlier. I'm so glad you touched on that because we think fast food is fast. But by the time you order the pizza, it takes 20 minutes to get to your home. In that same amount, that those 20 minutes. 20, 30 have, minutes, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could have pulled some eggs out of the refrigerator, added a little bit of shredded cheese and some salsa and grabbed some lettuce and on the side and made a decent meal that would have been less expensive and more nourishing. That's the other thing. People will say it's too expensive to eat healthfully. But the reality is more and more people are growing gardens, growing all their vegetables, uh, or having market Certain in these villages, you were talking about people who grew um, their their vegetables and, and really most of their sustenance. But I think a lot of us are too. I have a tower garden out on my deck. And so it's hydroponic and I grow all my vegetables that way. And I love it. There's a satisfaction I think we have with getting back to the earth. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that tradition too? Absolutely. I was in Zimbabwe this past June and mm-hmm. a lot of people, to my surprise, had backyard chickens and mm-hmm. gardens and these were you know regular middle if not middle to upper class people and i asked a friend about it there and she said hilda our country has gone through an economic crisis they're actually in one right now as well and she said it kind of forced all of us to find our own way to sustain ourselves and so there's been a beauty in that crisis because it's moved people back to with the wisdom of the past having their own way to be self-sustaining. They're not relying on the supermarket, which was no longer providing the imported products that they needed. So now people are, yeah, they have their own hens. They have their own eggs. I was really blown away by how fresh and yummy all the food was in Zimbabwe. Now, there were still supermarkets, mind you, but the people who had already started moving in the other direction were still going there and very, very healthy. Of course, I was hanging out with health professionals for my body and soul group, but it was really neat to see. So yes, I see the trend there and I have seen it back here as well. It's very encouraging. I think so too. And I really believe that it's going to stick because your health is your wealth. And if you're not healthy, you know that really nothing else matters. And so it's so very important that you find what works for you. And of course, there's no one size fits all. And we're all different. We go through phases and we're good sometimes and we can splurge other times. Your original everything in moderation was what I was taught as well growing up. And that's still a good rule. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I've actually found 
you said the word cravings earlier. I don't crave as much when I'm satisfied. So Mm -hmm. I have been in that point of desperation at the office. Like everyone has, you know, it's two o'clock, your blood sugar dips. You're like, oh my gosh, what is in the little kitchenette? And you find (laughs) some donuts or whatever, and you're inhaling it because your body's saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. But if I've had a decent lunch that I brought with me, some of those leftovers we were talking about, it's a whole other ball game. So a little bit of preparedness goes a long way. But I also want to address the craving point on one other, from one other tact. And it's this, that when you do drugs, I don't know if your listeners do or not, but <laughs> um, your certain part of the brain lights up and it really wants that hit leading to the craving where you're trying to get that again and again. And studies have been done that show that when we eat sugar, that same, same part thing. of the brain lights up. Right. So we literally get addicted to sugar. My mom, oh my gosh, she has to have a soda when we go out to eat because she's addicted. Now her teeth, are very affected by this. She's, you know, had more cavities than I can ever imagine and crown worked on. I don't even know what all. And her health isn't the best. I think this sugar has really gotten a hold of her. So I feel for people who are like that. But this is the tip I would have in that regard. If you are listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that's totally me. I would say try to include more healthy fats in your diet and your sugar cravings, I think, will naturally decrease. I suspect. And I want to hear back from your listeners. I hope there's a way for them them to interact with us afterwards, Linda, because I really want mm-hmm. to hear if people try that and what success they see. But I, they're not going to have to white knuckle it to avoid the cookie aisle in the supermarket. I believe if they add more healthy fats like butter, coconut oil, even lard, olive oil, these things, they will find their sugar cravings will decrease and they will naturally eat less of the sweet stuff. Well, and if you wean yourself off of soda, which really doesn't have any redeeming nutritional value Um, it really can be quite simple to do it's just it's a discipline let's face it not every choice we make is going to make it easily to us but um, a a single soda can a day can make a difference I want to make sure our listeners know where to find out more information about you your podcast and the foundation so can you give them websites sure I'm at holistichilda.com and they can tweet at me at Holistic Hilda or find me on Instagram at Holistic underscore Hilda. And then the foundation is WestonAPrice.org. The simplest way to find the podcast is just called Wise Traditions. You can get it on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, perfect. And anything else you would like to add? Final thoughts about what you've learned from your guests, what you've gained from being over 40, and how you're going to keep yourself Absolutely. I would say it's progress, not perfection. We set ourselves up for disappointment if we think we're going to change overnight. So we'll just take small steps in the right direction and we will hit our goals. Well said. And and life is a journey and uh, we didn't, we we need to know that the bends in the road are all new adventures and it's, it's a new way to go. Thank you so much for sharing your wise tradition knowledge with us, your podcast, and your time today. It's been a pleasure, and our paths will continue to cross. You know that, right? Yes, absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> Linda, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you all for listening today to Wise Health for Women Radio. You can find more of our shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com and iTunes. And we are going to keep coming with terrific, intriguing guests and 
different topics, all touching on how to give you the highest quality of life and helping women thrive. Make it a great week ahead, and we will talk with you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.